We have Faze here. He is a model and he's super passionate about mental health. He even works in the space. Faze, welcome. Hi, Kelly. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm really excited to get into this conversation, especially yeah. in the month of Pride for June. Um, so why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, uh, most people know me through as Faze. Uh, my name is Faison, and um, I actually work at a psychiatric hospital. I'm known as a youth program education assistant, where I work with individuals that go through or that have suffered from trauma, um, family things, substance abuse, self-harm, things of that nature. I, I am a model. Um, it's something that I've enjoyed doing, I've loved doing, and it's something that I continue to want to um, progress. And even if it becomes a little stagnant, that's okay, because I have other things in my life that I'm, you know, I'm tending to. So, yeah, um, I'm originally from New York, born and raised in Brooklyn, and I uh, relocated to North Carolina, Durham, North Carolina, to be exact. And um, I've been here about 16, 17 years now. And now you're helping, you know, young people, right? Yeah. At the hospital, is it like, what's the age that you work with? So I work what is known as the child adolescent unit. So I work with teenagers from about 13, 12, uh, preteen, 12, 13 to 17. Um, and once they hit 18, they'll go to the adults, if you will. So yeah, I'm a, I work with a group of uh, kids that are very, I would say, predictable, but then I would also say unpredictable because we, we know those years. We remember what those years were like, being unpredictable, rebelling, um, thinking we know it all, thinking we know more than we should. And that goes on a lot where I work at. And it's just important for us to build a rapport with these individuals because they're not patients. They're not clients. They are people, first and foremost. And they're just people who are growing into society. And it's just facing what society gives them. And, you know, I feel like, no, they don't ask for it. No, they don't wish for this to come their way. Um, however, they see what it is and they, they're facing it and it's not easy. And there's things that I resonate with them on for myself. You know, you have to look at other people and look, see yourself too. Because I think yeah. it's above necessarily. That makes sense. And I'm glad that you can kind of take your own experiences and help these kids because that is such a hard age yeah. and they're probably going through a lot. So how does your personal mental health kind of inform this? Or what was that mental health journey for you? For me, uh, I guess this goes, this goes back to being a child, to my inner child, which I've recently actually have really come to terms with facing a lot of more. Um, because what people know in the spiritual term of shadow work is the things that we have buried. So seeing these kids and seeing these kids from all walks of life for myself, I look back at myself and I realized, especially in the spirit of Pride Month, that I didn't see how, um, how proud I was to be fully myself. And I remember <clears throat> growing up and going through moments of being bullied and feeling, feeling less and feeling like uh, the quote unquote black sheep and with my family and things of that nature. But I always knew that I stood out. So I always knew there was a benefit no matter what I felt low about to something. And I was like, why am I standing out so much? Why, does, why, is, why am I excluded? but not really excluded, but I'm, I'm more so just in my own lane. Um, facing bullying and facing things being called, you know, um, the terms faggot, um, gay, and this is why this, and this is why you're this because of this. A lot of those things that you put away and you go out into the world as you get older and you feel like you have to be a certain way so people can take in your acceptance as you're accepting yourself for who you're portraying to be now. So it's in a way sounding like a mask is on and I can attest to that. And I think um, one of the things that I read from a recent post of MHGNs was actually the trauma. And it was talking about taking accountability 
for your trauma. And that was something that I've, I've coasted with throughout my life was just masking on that inner child and really not facing it. So I see that with the kids a lot that they feel like they have to take on this persona, not just because of what's trending and what's happening, but because of what they were introduced to. So um, coming to moments of saying that I was, uh, I would say bullied and everything of that sort, I never felt like I didn't know who I was. I never felt like I didn't know who I liked. I always knew I can go back to, and my mom would probably punch me for this, not physically, but mentally <laughs> saying that, um, oh, you always remember back to five years old. You always remember back to age five. And I'm like, I don't know why. I just don't, I just do. But I remember since then that I liked men as well as women. And at the time, then growing up into my, um, my adolescent years, I realized, yeah, I really did like men and I really did like women. So I had to find myself figuring out how to act on it naturally, because I guess it didn't feel so natural because of what I was around and what I was being told. It didn't seem original. It seemed like I was putting on something rather than being fully me. So, um, you know, I've had girlfriends throughout my younger years and everything, relations with women. And, um, but I had to come to the understanding that when I came out to my mother um, and my family, and I have a best friend of mine that is a day, my, I call him my day one from Brooklyn. We grew, we grew up in Pampers. Our families have known each other for years. And, um, you know, we, we knew early, we always knew. And so he was the first one I would say I told, but when it came to family, um, my mother, I told her and she was like, well, how do you know? And I always thought this and I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe the label makes things sound better for you. Um, bisexual sounded better. It seemed more accepting than just gay. And I had to carry that with myself because I'm like, okay, I am this naturally masculine individual. I don't necessarily, what society says, portray myself around like a female, like a girl, anything of that sort. But learning myself over these past few years and really tapping into my spiritual self, understanding that we possess masculine and feminine energy every day. Male, it doesn't matter if you're, um, if you consider yourself to be straight or anything of that sort, it does not matter. We have it within us. And um, I had to really tap into that and say no more because I wanted to be a better person, a better version of myself, a better partner. You know, that really did cross a lot of things into my relationship, my last re recent relationship. And um, I had to, I had to face it, I had to face the music. So understanding that, you know, facing your inner child and realizing who you were, really just accepting yourself and your true nature and realizing, hey, I like men, yeah, but I find women attractive. Now, do I have to act on that attraction? Don't have to. It doesn't feel like a rush or an urge for me. And I'm okay with that. But I can still say, hey, you're beautiful. Hey, you are gorgeous. And mean that in an attractive way, not just I'm complimenting you. So that's why the labels, um, society's labels have always just kind of given people a second thought about who somebody really is. Oh, well, there's more to you. They can't just be that one letter. You gotta be more than that because you do this too, you do that. All of these things. Um, yeah, I love music. Yeah, I like I like going to the gym, working out. I like doing all of these things. Yeah, I like going to the club and watching RuPaul's Drag Race and all of these things. Like, I love it all. I listen to women in music. I listen to men in music. I listen to anything that I can generally vibe with. You can catch my wall for the, for that matter, and see like music is my first love. And and loving myself, I had to love the music that I listened to and I appreciated. So it didn't matter to me if I listened to a female and somebody said, "Oh, that's gay," that you're listening to that woman and stuff of that nature. It, it just shows you how there was always some room to insert some comment into something that just didn't deserve that, you know? Right. And I think we as children did not deserve that. Let's talk about that more. You mentioned like society and labels. What 
prevented you from coming out or like what was that dilemma because you always knew mm -hmm. and obviously it was a big jump and took a lot of courage to come out to your family but when did you decide i'm gonna fight against society and what was society doing or the bullying like let's talk more about that experience well society at that time especially growing up in new york growing up in brooklyn where i was from where i'm from um you know i was always we were always out, me and my group of friends and family and kid, as kids and everything. We were always out and about and everything of that sort. People around the neighborhood knew us. You know, we were well known and we loved the, we loved our elders around us. Nobody ever really of the elders necessarily questioned or judged. It was always the people our age, for that matter, um, growing up. And <clears throat> hearing things from like my, actually my sister, one of my sisters, um, not having a father growing up and not knowing who my father was, you could see that that maybe somebody would say that's a contribution to why I'm gay. And that's something that society always pressed against because you always heard that, oh, someone that doesn't have a father and in particular, a black man that does not have a father who knows what path they will lead to. You know, They may turn to this way, it may be this and that. And it's just like, okay, for me, I just, I got tired of trying to defend my truth. And when I came out to my mom, I was, I was already living in North Carolina. I was in high school and I just, you know, I was introduced to so much coming down to North Carolina, so much, so many walks of life, so much more music and making a lot of friends of different races, ethnic backgrounds, all of that. So I really was like becoming a very diverse individual, even being from New York. You know, all I knew was my West Indians and my Caribbeans and Puerto Ricans up there and stuff like that. So um, coming here really broadened my aspect of who I wanted to be, the type of friend that I wanted to be. And I got into many things, more fashion, more clothing, more things with designs, more graphic things on there, which somebody would say, oh, that's kind of suspect in some way. And I'm hanging out with this girl, uh, these girls way more and this guy and or we're staying over there or hanging out or staying the night, stuff like that. And I kind of just got to a place where I was, you know, wanting to write. I wanted to, I remember this like it was yesterday. I wanted to write a poem or something of that sort. And I did a letter and I wrote it on Facebook at the time, but I didn't make it public yet. And um, I actually texted my mom. She was in her room. I was in my room. And I texted her and she was like, um, well, how do you know you haven't done anything with the guy? And I was like, yeah, I have, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm aware, like I know, you know? And um, it wasn't the curiosity for me. It was just a fact. Um, but my mom never truly um, degraded me for that. She never turned away from that. Yes, she's always talked about it, even to this day. Oh, you know, I guess I'm not gonna get any grandchildren from you and all that stuff. And that plays a part. That thought right there plays a part into your na true nature. Because nowadays, this, the world we live in now, it's possible for two men to conceive a child. And it may not be what it says is the natural way. However, it is possible. So I always tell my mom, I said, well, you can have a mini me and look alike and all of that. And um, I just let her know those things, but it, it doesn't really, it doesn't trigger anything bad in me when she says it to me. I just comfort it because yeah, I do want kids someday. And um, I hope that Lord willing, she is here to see that that time when that comes. So, you know, it, it, um, it gave me a lot of, it gave me a lot of lessons coming from my mom when she, when she didn't necessarily re um, rebel against what I told her. And I never really changed. I didn't really change after that. I was still myself. I still liked what I liked, did what I did. You know, I went through my phase of, of really um, stepping out into that life, more the lifestyle, I should say. And I got my, myself in things that I shouldn't have, which concerned my mom. And, you know, I learned from it. 
So I could say that for a parent to say, I accept you for who you are, but I'm scared of what the world will bring to you and bring your way in that lifestyle because she's had friends in the community and everything of that sort. So she's aware of what is and what could be. And um, yeah, so I had to face those early and I faced those through my teen years. So getting to my twenties, I just continued to be me, but I still felt like it was okay to portray the I'm bisexual than anything else because people don't assume I am. I can be out in public walking around, nobody would automatically know. And I guess I felt like that was okay throughout those years. But it's, I can't change naturally who I am just because of who I like. I am in touch with my feminine energy. I may not portray it on the outside is all. So yeah, I, I reached a really good level of understanding about that trauma and, and from a child and the depression and the anxiety and just hearing those words that people say don't hurt you, but they do, they do. So what was the pushback before you came out and mm-hmm. then after? I think well before, was definitely the fear of being treated even more different. The fear of people actually thinking that, hey, these confirmations of me being the uh, black sheep or standing out in the family um, as the child with a different father and not knowing his father, oh, could these be true? You know, is he a part of that societal uh, category? You know, a fatherless child who ends up looking for that male love and that male need and that, you know, desire to where it takes them to actually wanting to be with a man. And so that was definitely my fear, really just being, being, continuing to be bullied and feeling like I just didn't have that acceptance. You know, I never got any harsh comments or words from, um, from my elders necessarily. Um, I can, I can, I can think back to my grandmother, um, before she passed when my mom who liked to, oh, Hey, by the way, guess what Faison told me? (laughs) Can I come out? Like, you know, (laughs) that's the question. I thought about it then as a kid. Why do we have to come out? Why? You know, why did we have to say, I'm going to choose faith over fear now and finally do something about that? Because I think as individuals who are the opposite, who love the opposite sex, um, that, that doesn't have to happen for those individuals. You know what I mean? So that's where the fear first came. And then it just turned into faith eventually, where I was just like, I just have to accept it no matter what. And no matter who accepts me, I just hope the woman that birthed me and loves me and I'm living with, you know, really gets it. Because I feel like if she can, then okay, I shouldn't care about what society thinks anymore. But I still continue to throughout the times. And it kept me from, it, it, it showed me what social anxiety was too, being in a male to male relationship. It showed me what social anxiety felt like. And, um, you know, that's where it comes into being a, a, a good partner and truly seeing that one individual does not worry, does not worry about that, does not show fear in that. And I grew to admire that. And I grew inspired to really face that truth for myself and be able to say, you know what? It didn't matter if my mom didn't care and it should not matter if my partner does not care. Now I just want to care about doing whatever it is without the, the form, the feel of anxiety kicking in because they see two men together, even with PDA. Um, and PDA is something that I've, I've um, battled for some years since my early relationships with men. And um, I, I'm still, I'm working through that. It's in process right now. It's really in progress right now where I'm actually sitting down with myself and thinking, why, why don't you like it? Um, are you just not that private? Are you just a private person? Because it's okay, you can be, you know? Some people want to express that love and really show that love. And I love doing so. 
Um, but I caught my, I remember moments that I caught myself and I stopped myself and I hesitated. And I said, it's not just me noticing that, he's noticing that. So if other people are gonna notice it, as I do, then they're gonna know that I'm not fully comfortable with myself, right? So yeah, I, uh, I had some changes to do and I had some, some work to do and work is still being done right now. It's just that I have to do it in the best way that I know is for me and not, you know, um, how do you say, put myself in other people's shoes in that moment, really just take from me what it is I can do. Did so. you feel like you had to hide, like in terms of the PDA? Yeah. Did you ever feel like you lied or hid yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, never, not in it. It wasn't, I don't think it was me being ashamed of the person I'm with, but you can see how that can come off that way. Excuse me. <clears throat> you can see how it can come off that way. And um, I think it was more so because of the stature that I carry, the stature that myself as a man carries. And knowing that me and my uh, me and that individual, we did not give off that notion that we were together, you know, just naturally. Not that we, hey, we're going to go out and not act like this at all. Not that, but just looking at us, some, some would say you wouldn't know. So, um, and I was fine with that, but I think I was too fine with not with people not knowing. I think I wanted people to know. I kind of yearned for people to know rather than just carry on this persona that, hey, you know, you can't figure me out, haha, whatever, you know? And that, that really played a part into it. You are rather straight passing. So it's like, why break the news? And it comes back to what you said. Why do members of the LGBTQ community have to come out? Why is it this grand notion? Is yeah. that for the individual to be freed or is that for the friends and family and the people around them. Like it does seem like it's more for everyone else. And that person has always known and kind of carried that weight. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it is the weight. It's like you said, exactly perfect word weight, the weight on your shoulders, the weight on the inside. It's just like really understanding your chakras. You have weight here in your crown. You have weight to your throats, to your hearts, solar plexus, so forth, so on. You know, you have weight in all of those areas that bring the feelings of um, shame, guilt, you know, anger, you know, because it, and it brought out anger in me too. That's something I definitely um, wanted to touch on was that my anger and moments of self-control that really played a part throughout my life um, with my family, my relationships, um, resentment, things that I had to really forgive people for. And that all plays a part because I recently just did this with my sister, um, talking to her about the words and the things that, was, that were told to me as a kid. And of course, as a kid, you don't know that it's gonna have some long lasting effect later in life because of the person that's doing it. But I brought it to um, her attention and I said, it's not about having to be sorry. It's about me letting you know for myself because I have to forgive myself for letting it carry this long now, you know, all the way from gosh, five, six, seven, eight years old to now 28. And, you know, some people say, well, gosh, you know, like some people never get there. Let's be real, some people never get there. Some people can be 50 years old and wish I and say, I wish I could I could have done so then. I wish I could have faced that then. So in hindsight, I feel that I'm still early in life with that. And I'm happy about that because it's not too late. I feel even at 50, it still, it still shouldn't be too late to forgive yourself and say, you know, no matter what somebody said to you, it was eventually going to come a time where you just had to say, yeah, that is me, but I'm not the words that you use to degrade me, you know? So uh, that, yeah, that, that it, it brought a lot um, through my throughout those years, a lot of anger and moments where I didn't um, control my self-control and moments that came out, you know, and whether it was verbally or physically, 
um, whether it was altercations, um, relationship altercations, things that I'm not proud of, things that I would never be proud of, things that I don't want to endure, that I don't wish to endure or want to give to another. But you really have to set yourself aside and say, that individual does not deserve that just because remember you didn't deserve that either, you know? So I'm thankful to, um, to be facing this at this time and during this month of pride. I really am, it really is like a, you know, what goes around comes around moment. And it's good karma, even through, even if the bad came first. So I'm, I'm happy to be able to um, talk about my anger, talk about my faults, talk about my rights, my wrongs, my shame, my guilt, my anxiety, um, not suffering from depression, but battling depression. And mild, whether it's mild, moderate, severe, whatever you want to say it is, just know that it is that. And, you know, there's always, there's always another light. There's always light at the end of it. So, yeah, it's worth so it. The anger and some of the other mental health concerns that you had, was that you projecting from the childhood trauma that you never addressed? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that um, my anger portrayed a lot with my, my family relationships. Me and my mom, you know, I love my mom dearly. Um, we didn't always have the best relationship because of that truth that was about my father and not knowing who he was and things of that nature. And so I did resent that and carry that. And even though I learned to forgive her, our relationship had still already taken things. And we just always had that rapport. And I always used to say that, you know, I'm the male version of you. That's why we butt heads. And in hindsight, I'm really not, but I am a stern and, you know, respectful, but opinionated individual. You know, I don't try to step into what somebody's saying they're feeling. I wanna listen, but I wanna be heard too. And um, I think that's where a lot of that stemmed from. Um, so they say, you know, <clears throat> how you look at yourself is how you look at other people and love other people is how you love yourself, all of these things. And I think that the treatment and the relationships that I had with people prior to my relationships, that stemmed a lot with my anger. So it did um, come out in a projecting way. It did project in moments that I did not want it to, but I guess that urge said, hey, it's okay to. Anger said it was all right. But, you know, in hindsight, looking at yourself from the outside, it's not okay. It's never okay, you know, but you have to get it out some way, somehow. You just don't want it to be towards somebody that you <clears throat> truly do love. Because I come from a very family-oriented background and we can be sad, upset with each other for a moment or two or a day or two. And we know how to bounce back. You know what I mean? We do forgive. We do go on. We do accept that individual for who they are. I have to accept my mother for who she is because if I did not, I wouldn't have called her earlier. <laughs> you know, we have to, you know, and that's just being real because there are individuals out here in this world who do not speak to people anymore because they have not learned to say, I forgive you and know how to go on and go to the next chapter in their life with those individuals. And um, that's what I want. I want that for my family. I want us to continue to be open, accepting. I have a nephew who is, you know, amazing and lovely and all of my nephews and nieces and siblings, everyone in my family is great, no matter the flaws that we possess. But um, yeah, I have a nephew who is also a part of the community, also lives in their truth. You know, whether you portray male or female, they do it. And I love them for that because them being younger than me but and me being older, it's still inspiring. You can still look at someone, not look down at someone, but look at someone who is younger than you and be inspired. And <clears throat> they look up to me and I love that because they see me living in my truth. They see it and they don't judge me for it. 
So um, it's important, you know, it's important to have that. And I just want to carry that into, like I said, furthermore with my family and, um, you know, to other people in the world, people I meet, people I don't know, for that matter, first interactions, first impressions, anything of that sort, and my relationships, you know, the person that I love very much so. So, you know, shout out to them in a way. <laughs> there you go. How yeah. do you think it's different now for the younger generation versus when you were growing up and coming out? Oh gosh, um, I was actually talking about this the other day to a friend and I said, um, I see that we have it, we have acceptance at the forefront more than ever. It's on TV, it's every day, it's on social platforms. People are being well and widely known recognized for being in their true nature for not saying I have to come out, but I'm out on Instagram, I'm out on Twitter, I'm out on all of these platforms that just say it's okay. You know, especially having um, even celebrities and their their children's and, their, and them as themselves being who they are. You, you see that, I guess the times then people, and, and it's not so much the difference because people are still being bullied. People are still being killed and people are still being just degraded for that. But do I feel that love trumps that hate? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's why it's so much more of an accepting thing. Um, people, I've, I've seen a lot of things lately with people talking about um, how a lot of businesses and all of these companies and stuff are profiting off of pride. And, you know, and people say this, that main quote, pride was a riot. It was not a platform to say, you know what, profit for, from us because that was people's pain. And um, thankfully we have not seen any type of, of those riots and due to pride and being true, you know, to who you like or love. But um, yeah, so there, there's, there's not that difference when it comes to the bullying and everything, but as far as after today now, it's definitely more accepted, I would say. It's more, it's what people would say more natural, more pure, you are who you are, and that's just that. And you can touch my life in some amazing way. It does not matter who you like or love. And I've done that with people in my life, you know, and I'm, I'm thankful because I have people who don't, who don't, who like the opposite sex and that's fine in my life that I love and care about truly and deeply. You know, they may have their views and their beliefs, but at the end of the day, they don't cast that onto me. Cause I would always say, you know, if I was that man who wanted to tap way more into his feminine energy and put on makeup, put on heels, put on dress, or, you know, if I, if that perception of myself, seeing myself as a woman came to be and I wanted to transition, would you still love me the same? Because you can hear people say, oh, I'm glad you're not like that. I'm glad you're not like this and that. But it's everywhere now. It's everywhere. There's wide known public figures. Like you, you can't escape it. You just can't. So I don't think there's no going backwards to what Stonewall was. I don't think there's no going back to that time. We're, we can only go forward. We can only go ahead. We can only ascend. Um, it's just that like everything, it takes time. But we have to take time every day to be proud of who we are. So yeah. Um, that's, that's the difference. That's the similarity I see. Um, yeah. It's definitely better and there's more representation, but like you mentioned, like maybe people are fine and accepting with one, you know, identification, but then there's still so much stigma about trans yes. individuals. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you did touch on that. Like people mm -hmm. want to show their support for pride, um, but are they really in it for the right reasons? And maybe there's more television representation of a gay couple, but maybe the storyline's still about them coming out. They're not just part of the cast, it's more the drama. We need to see more heroes in our media.
yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and you and you're seeing that um, being an being an aspiring actor and wanting to do more acting eventually. I read things all the time, and I always focus it towards what I've seen to be um, another coming out in the industry. And there's this actor who um, I think he's going to play a gay marine, and that's going to be something of a film, I believe. I mean, I want to I want to portray, and I've been thinking about this lately, and just manifesting it, and just being patient with the time because I never know if it could really come or happen. But um, I would love to portray. Um, Mr. Bayard Rustin, a man who was very prominent in the civil rights movement and also happened to be a gay man, right alongside Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So that would be something of an ideal dream. I'm just putting it out there with you right now, Kelly, that it happens, you know? <laughs> but um, it's, so it, it is important. And because I don't think there was necessarily, um, you don't know, we don't know the backstory of that time and what that was like to come out then, who knew? You know, back then it was just, I think a matter of what was the public um, attention was race back then in those days. I guess it really didn't portray so much directly to sexuality unless they didn't talk about it enough. Um, but yeah, so I think it's it's important that it's, it's sticking around. It's important that we're not to be wiped away. We're not to be um, like, you could just scratch us off at the surface. No, you can't do it, you know? So I can change somebody's life tomorrow and they don't have to know who I am. You know what I mean? They don't have to know who I like or love. But at the end of the day, they know that I'm a human being, you know, who <clears throat> is in touch with their spirit just enough to be able to set themselves aside and help you in some way, mentally, most importantly. So, yeah, I'm I'm proud to be a gay man. I'm proud to be a gay, a gay, excuse me, a gay black man, um, and successful, you know, with the things that I have and the things that I've acquired and the work that I put in. No, I'm not perfect, but I do know for one reason and one reason and only is that, you know, I'm loved enough to want to be better. I'm loved enough to want to be a better version of myself, a better partner, a better friend, um, a better employee, just a better, you know, better speaker on a webcam, on Zoom. Like <laughs> that matters just enough for me, you know? So you're always grinding, you're always improving yourself. And how do you continue to be successful and improve? What do you do to cope with your mental health? <clears throat> for me, and this was this was actually a really um, a negative trait of mine, I got I got stagnant with my communication. I got stagnant with my, complacent with my communications where I couldn't really figure out how to say things, how to come out with things. But I always knew that I can't dwell on something. I can look at it, I have to look back at it, sit with it, accept it, and try to best move forward, even with the best outcome. Even if the outcome is not going to be easy to get to, I just know that that's, the outcome is worth it. This is still an everyday thing for me. Believe me when I tell you that, it's, it's still an everyday thing of coping and using healthier coping techniques besides wanting to run the social media and make these posts and everything of that sort because you do give people our, our, inner, our inner sight towards what you're feeling and what you're going through when you share your posts of your, your posts of your quotes and things of that nature. But for me, I mean, I've always, nowadays I've turned to music. I've always been, I've always been inclined to music. I've been more of an outdoorsy nature person to just walk and clear my mind. Um, hey, you know what, we're, we're not in a bad space right now just call you back and talk to you later. Not being impulsive, not continuing to be impulsive and have those impulsive moments where you keep something going because in the end, it's not gonna feel good. And it's important to say, nobody else will, I have to. Now, loving myself unconditionally so where I can just step out and don't have to feel fear and don't have to feel afraid if I wanna turn around and kiss my person, if I wanna give my person a hug. You know, I may not ever in my life be an overly PDA person. My will to do it in those moments should be 
you know, fear free. It seems like you're just being honest with yourself and really yeah. like analyzing why am I this way? Yeah. And regardless of the reason, but just kind of trying to change that behavior. Especially being in a relationship, you realize you are a good person and you have been a good partner. Understanding that you have things already precipitating factors that played a part in your life and they come up to that surface and what feels like old baggage is not necessarily old because it's still existing. You still have it. It's just like we said about where it's deeply buried at. So you're carrying it years and years throughout your life. But take it from yourself and say, I was wrong there. I was angry there. I shouldn't have put my hands on you. I shouldn't have done these things. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have crossed those boundaries, especially when someone trusts you and helps you understand who they are. I guess I've never really felt like people truly saw me for all that I am. And I mean that with everything I was just talking about with my upbringing and all of that stuff. I never felt like people really truly saw me. I've always wanted to see people too. My tattoo that I have right here on my neck, the eye is I see you before you see me because I really do want to see the individual that I'm looking at and talk to in and out. I, I want to receive that too. Thankfully, I was able to with the with this individual that I was I was with. And we faced a lot of things. The wrong things come out when you don't face what's already on the outside of you. I do want to be a better person. I do want to be a better partner. So you said that you see others first. Does mm -hmm. that relate to the work that you do now and helping these young kids? Absolutely. Like I said, because of you having to put yourself in their shoes, and even if you may not exactly partake, you have partaken in everything that those individuals have been through, you have to say, let me truly look at you and see. Not just what you show me on the, um, the outside, but somewhere, some, some way, somehow, there is an entryway to really letting that person truly see all of them, like show you all of them. And um, that's why that's so important for me. As, you know, as frustrating as it, it can become on your own mental health, because you're like, how do I help these kids? How can I help these kids? I can't help these kids. The state, what's the state doing to help these kids? Things like that, you know, these corporations and these things that really play. And I, and I do feel like I'm, I'm becoming more of an activist because it does frustrate me to see how these things can go some time and run. And you really pay attention to the incline and the decline of that individual and where they are and where they're going and where they're still at. And I think that's why they, they like to say, you know, oh, he's cool, all of that stuff. Even though they can be upset with me one day and be upset with me the next day, you know, it, it's okay because at the end of the day, I have a job to do. It just reminds you of where you were too, where you could have been, because who knows? I'm thankful for the self-control that I did have growing up because I could, I could have been one of those kids in there, you know, in that institution, the hospital. My mom is in a substance abuse field that has been for years. Um, she was a you know, former addict, but she turned her addiction into helping others and being there for another, others throughout their trauma and their addiction. So it kind of just, it went from her to me and I don't know who's next in my family, <laughs> but that's okay because I am where I am now and I'm carrying that seed. So I just have to keep, you know, building that foundation. What would you say to someone who's maybe in the closet? Definitely um, seek your support. Seek your support as soon as possible. Trust that you can find in someone about who you are truly and naturally, that it's not, it's not wrong who you are, but it is wrong how people cast you out of what is okay and what's normal. So that's wrong, but who you are is not wrong. I definitely say to take some time to think about it because we don't know our circumstances. We don't know all of our living situations, growing up and arrangements and all of those stuff because we don't know if somebody would be kicked out for, for doing that. So my best, my best word of advice is to choose faith over fear, but just make sure you have a grounded understanding and what's to come after. Even if it seems unexpected, 
just make sure you have a grounding background where you have that support. Someone in your life is going to support you. Someone is not going to let you get kicked out. Someone is not going to let you get out there and meet the wrong people. Someone, somewhere, somewhere there's outside waiting a, a chosen family for you. I never really had a chosen family, but I've had extended families that have loved me and have cared for me deeply for years. And I appreciate them to this day for that because they chose to, they chose to see me as not just a black man, not just a gay man, but as somebody that they grew to love. And that I hold you know, deep within myself. So to really just choose faith over fear, take your time, don't rush it, be yourself, stand up for yourself, make sure you have someone that is an elder of you to stand up for you. It doesn't matter, like I said, how public society is with, with seeing us now, seeing us in this out in the community now. It's the fact of saying behind closed doors, who knows what's going on. If you are ready to come out, if you are ready to say, I wanna open that door now and I wanna live in my truth, just know it's not too late because I'm doing it now. You can reach out to me if possible. <laughs> back back in the, the times before we were born, of they didn't have that plan, but a lot of chosen family, a lot of chosen family. And um, more important today because it is so prevalent. People come out on social media. People don't just don't come out in person anymore. So when you actually come out, it's not just coming out to selected individuals. You're coming out to thousands of your friends, thousands of family members. So it's kind of inevitable to just say, you know what, I'm not going to stay here anymore. I don't want to stay here anymore. I want to be out. I want to be proud. I want to live in my truth. I don't necessarily, I'm not saying I have to be this chameleon, but I don't want to blend in either. You know, I, don't, I want to stand out and that's okay. Because despite um, what hate is out here for people in the LGBTQ plus community, we still have a presence. We still have something to say. We still help, we still love, we still heal. We do all of those things that any other individual does. You know, it's just the fact that we're human beings too. I am who I am. I wish whoever sees this, I wish them well. And I wish them love and luck and light with that. Because believe me, like I said, it wasn't easy. You know, it definitely was not easy. It was hard. But I say to this day, and just even going through things recently, like I said, with facing my inner child, it is worth it. Because I really do feel that weight breaking up. I feel those blocks moving and removing, you know, I feel that shield coming, coming down, just disappearing. If someone's thinking about coming out, it can be liberating. That's the goal, right? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Faze, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, and, for having me. Yeah. yeah, I loved hearing your story and it, even for me to just get to know you better. Mm -hmm. um, it was super interesting. Yeah. So where can people find you if they want to get in touch? I know you're open if people want advice or help. You're so Definitely. sweet in that way, but where can they find you? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I want advice and help too from others too. So I thank you for that. But um, you can find me if anybody wants to find me on Instagram at um, Faison Khalil. My first name is Faison. That's F as in Frank, A-I, Z as in Zebra, O-N, period, Khalil, K-A-I-L-E-E-L. -E -E okay? Perfect. And uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm mostly on. I'm on Facebook too. You can just look at Faze Cutler. Um, phase or phase on it, it, it works. It's just a phase. It's okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm excited. Love thank it. You thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again, Phase, for being here. And this was another episode of Brains Out Loud. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.